Hello, you spooky lot, and I hope you're doing great. I'm doing pretty good myself. I'm tired as hell, but what's new? I've really got to keep this intro short, though, because I kind of looked into this story all through the notes. I've got a lot to read out and not a lot of time. Yeah, it's shaping up to probably be the biggest episode I've ever done. So, so much so, in fact, that we might actually do a part three of the staircase phenomena. We'll see how it works out. I really don't want to do a part three <laughs> just because part two is long enough. I don't try and do parts. Like, if you guys are really interested, I'll maybe do some more on that topic. But to kind of separate into parts is something I don't want to do yet. <laughs> but hopefully we can fit this all in one. Uh, the thread I found is on Reddit, supposedly where it all originated from, but my god, is it long. And annoyingly enough, I actually recorded this episode already. Read about half of it, took me about, maybe about 40 or 50 minutes of reading. And it just rambles on about other stuff. Now, I could have get it in, but you guys are here for the staircases in the woods, right? That's why I'm here too, I get that. So, I've read it all, uh, taken what I can, and kind of cut, copied and pasted it all in. Nothing's edited. I uh, just kind of removed the fluff and all the filler, so it's still accurate. It's, it's his words, plus I kind of want to talk you through it and throw in some opinions, as we always do here. If I did read the whole thread, I'd literally be here till next month, so we'll see what we can fit in. If it's a part three deal, I guess I'll put up a part one and see if you guys want it, but <laughs> hopefully it's not, because I don't think I can take <laughs> This shit, uh, it freaks me that out, and I'm a weirdo, but I get it if you're not, so if you don't want to, that's completely fine. Also, I've got to mention, of course, we have the Patreon now. I've actually uh, just created a link tree, which is on the bio on the Instagram, which has links to, of course, the show, which takes you to my website, and it's got all the episodes, like, like you know, how it's always been. And now you've got links to the Patreon, which, yeah, is is doing quite well. It's It's got a few tiers, so there's like four different tiers, and yeah, with a lot of different perks. I'm trying to keep this short, so yeah, check it out. Just... Obviously, no obligation to subscribe, but check it out, see if it's something that interests you. Also, we do have Buy Me A Coffee on there, which some people have said they prefer that, as it's not a subscription type of thing. So, we've also had a donation there from the After The Effort podcast, which is another paranormal show you should definitely check out. Also, we have had free subscribe, uh, subscribers, patrons on Patreon. So, a massive thank you to Faye, Andrea, and Michael. Uh, yeah, you, you guys are amazing. <laughs> and I know times are tough right now, so I appreciate it just even more. The... Support from you all is what keeps me doing this, and the friendships I made in the process, it's... Yeah, it's really amazing. So without getting all cheesy up in here, let's just start the show, shall we? <laughs> I'm a search and rescue officer from the US Forest Service. I have some stories to tell. I wasn't sure where else to post these stories, so I figured I'd share them here. I've been an SAR officer for a few years now, and along the way I've seen some things that you guys would be pretty interested in. I have a pretty good track record for finding missing people. Most of the time they just wander off the path or slip down or a small cliff, or they just can't find their way back. The majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing, and they don't wander too far off. But I've had a few cases where that didn't happen, and both bother me a lot, and I use them as motivation to search even hard on the missing person cases I get called on. The first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents. He and his sister were together, and both of them went missing around the same time. The parents lost sight of them for a few seconds, and in that time, both kids were apparently wandered off. When their parents couldn't find them, they called us, and we came out to search the area. We found the daughter pretty quickly, and we asked where the brother was, and she said he had been taken away by the bear man. She said he gave her berries and told her to stay quiet, and that he wanted to play with her brother for a while. The last she saw of her brother, who was riding on the shoulders of the bear man, and seemed quite calm. Of course, our first thought was abduction, but we never found trace of another human being in that area. 
The little girl was also insistent he wasn't a normal man, but he was tall and covered with hair, like a bear, and that he had a weird face. We searched the area for weeks and it was one of the longest calls I'd ever been on, but we never found a single trace of that kid. The other was a young woman who was out hiking with her mum and grandpa. According to the mother, her daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest and she never came back down. They waited at the base of the tree for hours, calling her name before they finally called for help. Again, we searched everywhere and we never found trace of her. I have no idea where she could have possibly gone, and neither her mother or grandpa saw her come down. A few times I've been out searching on my own with the canine, and they've led me to straight up cliffs, not hills, not even rock faces, straight sheer cliffs with no possible handholds. It's always baffling, and in those cases we usually find the person on the other side of the cliff, or miles away from where the canine had led us. I'm sure there's an explanation, but it's, it's sort of strange. One particularly sad case involved the recovery of a body. A nine-year-old girl who fell down an embankment and got impaled on a dead tree at the base. It was a complete freak accident and I'll never forget the sound her mother made when we told her what happened. She saw the body bag and loaded it into the ambulance and she's let out the most haunting, heartbreaking wail I've ever heard. It was like her whole life came crashing down around her and part of her had died with her daughter. I heard from another SAR officer that she killed herself a few weeks after what happened. She couldn't live with the loss of her daughter. Okay, yeah, that's quite tough. It's, yeah, very dark. But I wanted to keep it in there because it adds to the reality of the situation and the authenticity of these stories. So, yeah, it's not the nicest story, but I thought I'd leave it in there so you can kind of tell. So, as you guys know, this guy is a search and rescue officer and these are accounts of one of his stories. And this is the story where it gets onto the staircases now. This is the last one I'll tell and it's probably the weirdest story I have here. Now, I don't know if it's true in every SAR unit, but in mine, it's a sort of unspoken regular thing we run into. You can try asking about it with the other SAR officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. We've been told not to talk about it to our superiors, and at this point we've gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. On just about every case where we've gone really far into the wilderness, now I'm talking about 30 or 40 miles, at some point we find a staircase just in the middle of the woods. It's almost like you took the stairs in your house, cut them out, and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw one, and the officer just told me not to worry about it and that everything was normal. Everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to check them out, but I was told very emphatically that I should never go near any of them. So now I just sort of ignore them when I run into them because it happens so frequently. So there was a lot of feedback about the stairs, which I'll touch briefly on here and include a story. They come in a, in a variety of shapes, styles and conditions. Some are pretty dilapidated, just in ruins. The others are brand new. I saw one set that looked like they came from a lighthouse. They were metal and in a spiral, almost old fashioned. The stairs didn't go up infinitely or farther than I can see, but some sets are taller than others. Like I said, just imagine the stairs in your house as if someone had cut and pasted them in the middle of nowhere. I don't have any pictures and it never really occurred to me to try again after the first time. I don't feel like risking my job over it. I'll try again in the future, but I can't really promise anything. One of my first jobs as a trainee was a search op for a four-year-old kid that had gone separated from his mum. This was one of those cases where we knew we were going to find him because the dogs were on a strong scent trail and we saw clear signs that he was in the area. We ended up finding him in a berry patch about half a mile from when he had last been seen. The kid wasn't even aware he'd wandered that far and one of the vets brought him back, which I was glad for because I'm not really good with kids. I find it hard to talk to them and keep them company. As my trainer and I are headed back, she decides to take me on a detour to show me one of the hotspots where people tend to go missing. It's a natural dip in the land near a popular trail, and people will usually move downhill because it's easier. We hike out there and it's a few miles away, and we get there in about an hour or so. 
As we're walking around the area, it's pointed out places that she's found people in the past. I see something in the distance. Now this area where we're in is about 8 miles from the main parking area. There's back roads you can take to get closer if you don't want to hike that far, but we're in state protected land, which means there can't be any kind of commercial or residential development out here. The most you'll ever see is a fire tower or makeshift shelter that homeless people think that they can get away with building. But I can't see from here whatever this thing is, and one thing you'll learn quickly is that nature rarely makes straight lines. I point out, but she doesn't say anything, she just hangs back and lets me wander over and check it out. I get within about 20 feet of it, and all the hair stands up under the back of my neck. It's a staircase, but in the middle of the fucking woods. In proper context, it would literally be the most benign thing ever. It's just a normal staircase with a beige carpet and about 10 steps tall. But instead of it being in a house, where it obviously should be, it's out here in the middle of the woods. The sides aren't carpeted, obviously, and I can see the wood it's made out of. It's almost like a video game glitch where the house failed to load completely and the stairs are the only thing that's visible. I stand there and it's like my brain is working overtime to try and make sense of what I'm seeing. My trainer comes and stands next to me and just stands there casually looking out at the least interesting thing in the world. I ask her what the fuck is this thing doing here she just chuckles. Get used to it rookie you're gonna see a lot of them. I start to move closer but she grabs my arm hard. I wouldn't do that she says. Her voice is casual but her grip is tight. And I just stand there looking at her. You're going to see them all the time, but don't ever go near them. Don't touch them, and whatever you do, do not go up them. Just ignore them. I start to ask her about it, but something in the way she's looking tells me that it's best if I don't. We end up moving on, and the subject doesn't come up again for the rest of my training. She was right, though. I'd say about every fifth call I go on, I end up running across a set of stairs. Sometimes they're relatively close to the path, maybe within two or three miles. Sometimes they're 20 or 30 miles out, literally in the middle of nowhere. And I only find them during the broadest searches of training weekends. They're usually in good condition, but sometimes it looks like they've been out there for years. All different kinds and all different sizes. The biggest I ever saw looked like it came out the turn of a century mansion. And was at least 10 feet wide. With steps at least 15 or 20 feet. I've tried talking about it with people, but they mostly give me the same response my trainer did. It's normal, don't worry about it. They're not a big deal. But don't go close or get up them. When trainers ask me about it now, I now give them the same response. I don't really know what else to tell them. I'm really hoping someday I get a better answer, but it hasn't happened yet. Now, onto a couple of stories my friends told me. My buddy has been an SAR officer for around seven years. He started when he was in junior college and had a very similar experience when he first encountered the stairs. His trainer told him almost the same thing that mine did, which was to never go near, touch, or ascend them. For the first year, he did just that, but apparently his curiosity got the better of him. And in one call, he broke away from the line and went back to check on the set of them. He said they were about 10 miles from the path where a teenage girl had vanished and the dogs were following a scent. He was on his own, lagging behind the main group, and he saw a set of stairs off to his left. They looked like there was something from a new house because the carpeting was pristine and white. He said as he got closer, he didn't feel any different or hear any weird noises. He was expecting something to happen like bleeding from his ears or collapsing, but he got right up next to him and didn't feel anything. The only thing he said that was odd was there was no debris on the steps, no dirt, leaves, dust or anything, and there didn't appear to be any signs of any, any animal or insect activity in the medium area, which he found strange. It was less like they were avoiding them, and more that they just happened to be relatively barren out in the forest. He touched the stairs and didn't feel anything except that sort of sticky feeling you get from new carpet. Making sure his radio was on, he slowly climbed the stairs. He said it was terrifying because the way he'd been stigmatised. He wasn't really sure what was going to happen to him. 
He joked that half of him expected to be teleported to some other dimension that was watching for a UFO to come swooping down. But he got to the top with no events. He stood there looking around, but he said the longer he stood on the top step, the more he felt like he was doing something very wrong. He described it as feeling you'd get if you're on the part of a government building you have no business being in, as if someone was going to come and arrest you and shoot you in the back of the head at any second. He tried to brush it off and the feeling got stronger and stronger, and that's when he realised he couldn't hear anything anymore. The sounds of the forest were gone, he couldn't even hear his own breathing. It felt like some kind of weird, awful tinnitus, but more oppressive. Tinnitus, tinnitus, however you pronounce it. <laughs> I've been reading for far too long. <laughs> My throat is killing me already. Uh, he climbed back down and rejoined the search and didn't mention what he'd seen. But he said the weirdest part came after. His trainer was waiting back at the welcome centre after the search had ended for the day. And he called in my buddy before he could leave. He said his trainer had a look of intense anger and asked him what was wrong. You went up them, didn't you? My buddy said it, was it wasn't phrased as a question. He asked about how his trainer knew. The trainer just shook his head because we didn't find her. The dogs lost her scent. My buddy had asked what that had to do with anything. The trainer asked how long he'd been on the stairs, and my buddy said no more than a minute. The trainer gave him this really awful, almost dead-eyed look, and told him if he ever went up a set of stairs again, he'd be fired immediately. The trainer walked away, and I guess he never answered any more of the questions my buddy has asked him about it since. The next person I talked to was EW, uh, which is an abbreviation for the name I've used to keep them anonymous. A former trainer who now works as an EMT. He still comes to ops like this to help out, but doesn't work full-time for us anymore. He specialises in finding lost kids. He just seemed to have a sixth sense when it comes to knowing where they had gone. He's a legend among more senior vets, but he gets embarrassed if you compliment him on his work. He sat down with me at dinner one evening, and we ended up swapping stories. Most of them were just casual, but when we got on the subject of our weirder calls, I mentioned that I had a buddy who had gone up a set of stairs, and he got kind of quiet and asked me if I'd heard of a little boy who disappeared from the park a few years back. I hadn't, so he told me the story. They were out looking for this 11-year-old boy, Joey, who had gone missing near a river. Of course, the first thought were they had fallen in and drowned, but when they searched with the dogs out, they led SAR officers away from the river and eventually into a very densely forested area. When we do searches for people, we search in a grid pattern and we search every box of the grid thoroughly. What EW's team noticed straight away was that there was a very strange pattern on emerging. Dogs in alternating boxes were picking up Joey's scent but losing it when they overlapped with another box. If you think of a checkerboard, Joey's scent was being picked up in random black squares, but never in red. This, of course, didn't make any sense because how could the kid bounce from area to area without leaving a scent in each place he passed? EW and his partner press into a new box of the grid, and EW notices a set of stairs about 50 yards away. He tells his partner that they need to check it out, and his partner flat out refuses. He tells EW that he's made a point never to go near any stairs he sees, and while it may be routine, he's not to pretend that it's not normal. He tells EW that he'll wait in sight while EW checks. EW says he was irritated but never felt for the guy and didn't push him on the subject. Now, I walked over to the stairs. They were small, like a kind of stairs into the basement. I didn't feel strongly one way or another about them, the stairs I mean. So I wasn't scared of them or anything. I guess I'm like everyone else, I just prefer not to think about them too much. Anyway, I went over and could see there was something lying on the bottom step, sort of curled up. My heart sinks because of course you always hope for the best and we were confident that we would find this kid alive because he'd only been missing a few hours. But I knew right away that it was him and that he was dead. He was curled up on a ball on his step, holding his stomach. It looked like he had been in horrible pain when he died but I didn't see any blood except for someone on his lips and chin. I radioed that I'd found him and we got his body back to command. 
That poor family, they were devastated. The parents couldn't understand how he'd been dead because he'd only been gone for such a short amount of time. And on top, we didn't find any obvious cause of death, which just made it worse. I figured he'd probably eaten something poisonous that he was holding in his stomach when I found him. But I didn't want to guess. It's hard enough to hear that your child is dead, let alone some stupid SAR guy guessing about what had happened. They took him away and I went home and tried not to think about it. I hate finding dead kids. Man, I love this job, but it's one of the reasons I left. I've got two daughters and the thought of losing them is just... And he choked up a little here, which I don't blame him. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. I mean, I can imagine the job is like super interesting, but dealing with that and finding dead children, that's... That's, that's something horrendous, which no one should ever deal with. Uh, yeah, cool. You'd have to be made of some stuff tough. St you'd have to be made of some tough stuff to actually do this job. I'm not great with emotional stuff like that, and it's always sort of awkward to see a grown man cry, so I didn't really know what to do. He pulled himself together eventually, though, and we kept going. We don't always hear back from the coroners about the cause of death, so it's not really our job to know, I guess. And sometimes, if they think it's foul play, they won't tell us because of legal bullshit. But I've got this friend who works for the sheriff's department, and he'll usually pass along some interesting info if I ask. In this case though, I actually got a call from him about a week later. He asked if I remember the kid, which of course I do. And he says some seriously weird shit is going on. He tells me, EW man, you think I'm, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but the coroner has no idea what's happened to this kid. He's never seen anything like it. My friend goes on to tell me when the coroner opened the kid up, he couldn't even believe what he was seeing. The kid's organs were like Swiss cheese. Quarter-sized holes were punched clean through on every single organ this kid had, aside from his heart and lungs. But his colon, his stomach, his kidneys, and even one of his testicles were full of these clean, precise holes. My friend said the coroner described it as if someone had taken a hole punch and punched holes out of everything. They were so neat. But this kid didn't have a scratch on him, no entry or exit wounds. The closest anyone had ever seen to anything like this was a guy who filled himself full of buckshot a year or so back while cleaning his rifle. No one had a clue what could possibly have caused it. My friend asked me if I'd seen anything like this or if we've had similar cases in the past. But I'd never heard of anything like that and I told him I wasn't going to be of any help. As far as I know, the coroner determined the cause of death as something like a massive internal bleeding. But no one really knows what happened. I've never been able to forget that kid. I have nightmares about it sometimes. I don't let my kids go into the woods alone, and when we go together, I never let them out of my sight. I used to love it out here, but that case and a couple of others just sort of ruined it for me. Dinner was over, and we started to clean up and go back to our cabins. Before we went our separate ways, he put his hand on my shoulder and looked at me real close. He tells me that there's bad things out there, things that don't care if we have families or lives, or that we can think and feel. He tells me to be careful and walks away. I didn't get a chance to talk with him again, but that story stuck with me. Yeah, shit, that story would stick with you. I mean, like I was saying, yeah, you really have to be made of something else to do a job like this. And dealing with dead children and all that, that's crazy. I couldn't imagine doing that myself. Like, shit. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like a regular occurrence. I mean, a lot of people, I've, you see on the news all the time, people going missing in the woods. And yeah, the woods really are. They're a dense place. I mean, luckily, the woods around here, they're, they're like nothing. Like <laughs> Some of the woods you have over in the States are like bigger than a whole whole of the uk so yeah it's it's nuts but yeah people do go missing and there's something really oddly enthralling and interesting about the woods but yeah it's a scary place for sure especially at night have you ever been camping jesus christ <laughs> like you've got the blair witch and that film put me off the woods for good man i love that film i always go on about it good <laughs> so this is another story by a friend 
who's abbreviated as PB. By pure coincidence, I got to talk to another vet, PB, who's been in the SAR field for years. We were partnered on a grid sweep during a training exercise, and we were chatting casually about how we liked the job, and what kinds of things we've seen and the like. At one point, we passed an old set of stairs, though these were probably from an old fire lookout, given the area we were in. I sort of casually mentioned that I was curious about the stairs, and that I wished to know more about them. And he got kind of quiet and looked like he wanted to tell me something, but wasn't sure if he should. Finally, he told me to turn my radio off. Obviously, this is something we were never, ever supposed to do, but I did it and he did the same. About seven years ago, he tells me he was out on a call with a rookie. They were in the area of a park that a lot of strangers have reported events, disappearances, stories about lights in the forest, odd noises and things like that. The rookie was totally spooked and kept going on about things in the woods. According to BB, that guy wouldn't stop talking about the goat man just on and on, the goat man this and the goat man that. Finally, I told him there was plenty else to be afraid of out there that was real and that he'd better get over this thing with the goat man. The rookie wanted to know what kind of things I was talking about. I just told him to shut up and walk. We crested a little ridge and, on, and there was a staircase about 10 yards ahead. The rookie stops dead in his tracks and just stands there looking at me. I tell him, see, that's something you should be afraid of. The rookie asked me what the hell are these doing out there. And for some reason, I just open up and tell him the truth or what I've been told is the truth. I could have gotten into a lot of trouble for doing what I did and I could get in a lot of trouble for repeating it to you. But you're a nice kid and I want you to stop looking into this. Quit while you're ahead. So, I'll tell you what I know, under the condition that you never breathe a word of this to the soups. I told him I wouldn't say a word and he double checks that our radios were off. When I first started out, we were a little less tight-lipped about them and other things that happen out here. We warned people before they were even hired that there was some weird shit going on. I guess the forest service was tired of having such a massive turnover rate and they wanted people to know what they were getting into. So they started having people sign these agreements that they wouldn't go to the media about what they were going to see. The FS didn't want to scare people away and the last thing they needed were spooked rookies running off to the media with stories of ghosts and the haunted stairs. But eventually they found agreements that weren't necessary. People not only didn't want to talk about what they saw, they wouldn't. A few times the media tried to talk to us when the kids or hikers would disappear and no one would say a word. I can't really explain it, it's just... We don't really want to admit anything is wrong. This is our job to be out there, here. This is our job to be out here in the woods every day. And the best way to avoid that is to pretend like everything is okay. So I'll tell you everything I can think of, and after that I'm done talking about it for good. And I expect you not to bring it up around me, ever. The stairs have been out here for as long as parks have existed. We have records going back decades describing them. Sometimes people could go up them and nothing happens. Other times, look. I really don't like talking about this, but sometimes really bad shit happens. I saw this one guy get his hand sliced clean off when he got to the top of the step. He reached out to touch a tree branch and it happened so fast and his hand was there and next it was literally gone. And the weirdest thing about it, it was a completely clean wound. We didn't find the hand and the guy almost died. Another time a woman touched the stairs and a blood vessel in her brain literally exploded. Like a, a water balloon man. She sort of stumbled down and came over to me and all that she got out was, I think there's something wrong with me and she dropped like a sack of flour dead before hitting the ground. I'll never forget the way the blood leaked into the inside of her eye. Before she died, I watched it turn red. I watched it happen, there wasn't a single thing I could do to help. We warn people not to go anywhere near them, but there's always one idiot who does. And even if nothing happens to them, something bad always happens. Kids go missing as we're on the trail. Someone dies the next day, cut in half in a completely safe part of the park. I don't know why something bad always happens. I don't know why exactly they're out here, but it doesn't matter. They're here, and if we were smart, we'd tell our new officers exactly what they're capable of. 
We were both quiet for a little while, and I was afraid to talk because I wasn't sure if he was done. He looked like he wanted to say something else, and finally he spoke up. Have you ever noticed how you can't find the same ones twice? I nodded, expecting him to continue, but he just stayed quiet walking alongside me. And eventually he started telling the story about the biggest deer he'd ever seen in the park. I didn't bring the subject up again, and I didn't press him for any more stories. He dropped out of the op the next day. Apparently he left before the sun came up. He said he was sick, and none of us have heard from him since. One of the vets at the training op reads r slash no sleep and recognised my stories. Uh, he knows me pretty well and we've swapped stories before. He asked if he could share something he's noticed about the stairs and some thoughts he had. I'm really glad you decided to share these, but I think it's important people be aware of what's out there, especially since the Forest Service is doing such a good job at covering it all up. I asked him what he meant. What do you mean, what do I mean? The lack of any kind of media attention. No coverage of missing children or bodies found miles where they got lost in the first place. David Pallades hit this right on the head and the FS is doing everything they can to keep people from coming here, even if it isn't safe. I mean, to be fair, it's not like these things happen every day, but the numbers add up and it's worth looking into. Especially the stairs. I was surprised you didn't mention the flipped ones. I didn't know what he was talking about. I couldn't even remember him talking about something like that. He seemed somewhat curious. Dude, I can't believe you've been on this long without seeing them. Has no one told you about them? I shrugged and asked him to elaborate. Well, there's normal stairs, the ones that pop up when we're out on our ways. I know you know about them, but sometimes I've run across ones that are like flipped upside down. I guess it would be like if you had a dollhouse and the stairs were a separate piece. Now take that, flip it upside down so the top step is stuck in the dirt and put it out in the woods. There's something like that. I don't see them as often, but they're odd to say the least. It makes me think of the footage taken after a tornado where houses are blown apart and random things are just left standing, like chimneys and garden walls. Those ones freak me out more than the normal ones because I can't really write those off as easy. Now, I don't scare easily like most of us who work here, but the idea that stuck with me and bothers me, and I'm going to try and find out more about them. He also mentioned how many people were bothered by the guy with no face. He got really excited when he told me he'd seen something familiar. I was out on a training exercise a few years ago, and I was camped out in my tent, and I heard someone walking around the outside of a camp. We're told not to wander far, which you already know, so I wondered maybe it was a rookie who'd gotten up to pee and couldn't find his way back. Remember that guy in our group a few years back who almost fell down that damn mountain? Well, I'm paranoid that's happening again, so I got up to see what was going on. I went to the edge of the camp and called out to whoever it was and told them the camp was this way, but they kept going back to, into the woods, so I went after them. I know it was stupid, but I was kind of half asleep and I really didn't want to deal with some idiot getting hurt. I followed this thing on a dead straight course for about a mile, and then it stopped on the edge of a little river. I could see the outline of it because the water was reflecting on the moon, and it looked just like an ordinary guy. He had a pack on, and it looked like he was facing me. I asked if he was okay, if he needed any help, and he cocked his head like he didn't understand me. I always had my pocket knife on me, and it's got a little thumb light attached to it, so I turned that on and lit up his chest so I wouldn't blind him. He was breathing slow and deep, so I wondered if he was sleepwalking. I went closer and asked him again if he was okay, and I moved the light up, and something didn't seem quite right, so I stopped. He kept breathing in this real slow, deep breath, so, and I sort of figured out gradually that's what was bothering me. It was like he was pretending to breathe, but not actually doing it. His breaths were too even and too deep, and all of his movements seemed exaggerated. Like his shoulders going up and his chest moving, I told him to identify himself, and he made this muffled noise. I moved the light up, and I shit you not, this guy had no face. Just smooth skin. I freaked the hell out and sort of fumbled my light. But I saw him move towards me, but he didn't actually move. I don't know how to explain it, but the second he was at the edge of the river, the next he was five feet from me. 
I never looked away or blinked. It was like he moved so fast my brain couldn't keep up. I tripped and fell on my ass, and I could see this line open up on his throat. It stretched up to his ears. His head tilted back and he almost smiled at me with his throat. There wasn't any blood, just this gaping dark hole and I swear he smiled at me with this gash in his throat. I got up and ran as fast as I could back to the camp. I couldn't hear him following me, but I felt like he was always right behind me. Even though when I looked back, I couldn't actually see him. I calmed down when I got back to camp and the fire was still going. And I guess that pack mentality of being with other people made me stop and breathe a little. I waited by the fire to see if he'd follow me there but I didn't hear anything else for a few hours. So I went back to bed, and I know it sounds weird, but the whole experience was so surreal. It felt like I almost immediately wrote it off as just my imagination. Okay, no face guy, that sounds like a no-go. Jesus. (laughs) But we are coming to an end now. We are getting there. We've been recording for about 40 minutes now, so we're we're, we're getting nearly there, thank God. (laughs) This is a lot of reading. It's almost more, I think it's more than the Manor House episode, and that done me in. (laughs) I had like a sore throat for a week after that one. This will be my final update for now. Things have deteriorated here to a degree that I didn't foresee. I didn't know how much about writing about these things happening out here would affect every single part of my life, and maybe that was stupid of me. Maybe I should have considered it more seriously. But honestly, I just thought that I was writing about things that a few people would want to hear. I didn't think it would get this much attention. People ask me about the stairs now. It doesn't happen every day, but when it does, I really don't know what to say. My bosses know someone is talking about them. And I'm sure that if they know, the higher-ups know. And I can tell you that they aren't happy about it. I've been formally told that I'm not to speak a word about them to anyone anymore. Which is part of the reason this has to be my final update. I can't risk losing my job for this. As much as it's been wonderful to get a lot of these things off my mind, I still do love my work. And I need to be out there. If anything, me being aware of what's going on is enough reason to stick it out. I may not be able to tell people that they're out there. But if I see them, I can direct traffic away to somewhere safer. Because of the amount of attention these stories have gotten, I've heard a lot of stories being swapped back and forth, and I've heard so many I can't even remember most of them. The ones I do remember are the ones I wish I could forget. So many stories of black-eyed people, people with no faces, wandering around the woods and calling out in the night, mimicking the sound of running water or a bobcat screaming. One man in particular goes to every news station he thinks will listen to him to tell the same story. He was deer hunting and then camped out in a very remote area, and woke up because something was scraping up against his tent. He thought it was a raccoon or fox until the thing pressed its face against the door of his tent. And at which point he could very clearly make out a human nose and mouth. He kicked it but it leaped back and it was gone by the time he opened the tent flap. Gun at his side he fired two warning shots and when the sound had faded he heard a snap behind him. The man was standing on the edge of the campsite. The man was not wearing any clothing but he didn't possess any kind of human flesh. As the hunter described it the man was made of some kind of amalgamation of raw meat and hair. As if someone had scooped up Roku and moulded it into the vague shape of a man. The face was lumpy and only a rough approximation of a human face. The thing opened its lopsided mouth and from it came the sound of the gun the hunter had fired. It did this twice before mimicking the sound of the tent zipper and fleeing into the night. Okay, that sounds horrible. That sounds like, oh, what is it, the whole kind of skinwalker phenomenon where you get that whole kind of like uncanny valley where it's like a person but not quite right in this case. It's definitely wrong. A human being made of like raw meat. That actually sounds horrendous. And yeah, I'll be fleeing out into the night in the opposite direction. I'm not running off that thing. Shit. (laughs) There are many things I want to be able to understand about my job. And it would take me years to relate all the things I've heard in the last few months. When I feel like my job isn't in direct jeopardy, I will come back. It may just be a different format, but I will come back. 
Thank you all for sticking by my side and enjoying the things I've talked about. And if you go into the woods, I encourage you to be safe. Bring water, food, survival equipment. Let people know you're, where you're going and when you'll be back. Don't go on uncharted paths unless you know exactly what you're doing. And above all, don't touch them, don't look at them, and don't go up them. Well, he said he'd come back and it's been five years, so who knows, man. <laughs> but that is the end of the episode. We are finally there. It is... <sighs> I needed that stretch. It is like over 40 minutes of non-stop talking. And that means... I don't know how you guys listen to this. I listen to my voice for 40 minutes straight. But usually I like to keep them around 30 minutes. So it's like 10 minutes extra. Yeah, usually my editing does not lack the skills required to record for like 40 minutes. But here we are nevertheless. <laughs> so yeah, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. We managed to fit it all in one part. Like I said, there is more to it. There's a lot of other stories this guy had posted. But I wanted to keep it all about the staircases. Because that seems like the most interesting part. And that's the bit you were all curious on. So yeah, hopefully you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I definitely did. It was strange. And a lot of the stories in there were similar to the stories which were in the first part. So it could be they're all based off this original post. Maybe this original post really is all there is to it. And there's not much else to it. Maybe, yeah, they just kind of tweaked these original stories and just kind of put it into their own words and kind of lied. And yeah, exaggerated like people do about their own stories. But I hope you guys have enjoyed it anyway. Next week, I'm not quite sure what we're covering yet. I will put it up on the Instagram as like the other week where we put up that Ask Me Anything kind of thing on the Instagram where you're like suggesting episode ideas. I've got so many. I made a schedule. I've got like a diary, journal, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, now I've got so many, it's hard to actually decide. <laughs> like it was better off when I didn't have any ideas because I'd find one and be like, oh, that's the one. Now I've got too many. I literally don't know what to do. So there'll be a power. Come check it out. And also, if you want to check out the Patreon, like I said, there's multiple tiers. It starts from something simple like you get shout outs, you get priority merch, you get bonus episode. And then you get like a live stream hangout and like chat. And yeah, we just chat about ghostly shit and like <laughs> your own stories and my stories. Like whatever you want, man. It'd be cool. It'd be fun to do. And yeah, also, like I said, there is that buy me a coffee page if you don't fancy doing a subscription type of thing. But any help, it's hugely recommended. I'm going headfirst into this podcast this year because there's shit all else we can do. Everything's locked down. So yeah, this is my baby and we're going to we're gonna blow this up this year. 2021 is going to be our bitch because I've got nothing else left. <laughs> like This year already, we've been in lockdown since the beginning of it and I already can't deal. I'm losing my fucking mind. As always, I'm not going to ramble on now. Stay safe, stay spooky and good night. Mm-hmm.